Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I am your lecturer for this module, Ms. Babalomoirani. Okay, so um, this will be our first lecture and um, it seeks to look at what work is. So as um, industrial sociologists, we, we need to define what work is. Um, we need to understand what work is and from what perspective are we speaking of work. And um, this will form foundational, this will form introductory to um, this particular module, which is organizing production. All right, and the aim of this lecture is to basically deconstruct what the word work is by, by discussing what it actually constitutes. And we need, to, like I said, we need to understand the meaning of work. You know, we, we need to speak of work economically, politically, socially, and otherwise. Right. So today we will be discussing how work is organized and how work is managed. And um, for the purpose of this lecture, we will be focusing on um, paid work and the formal economy. And then this is not to say that unpaid work is not important. However, for the purpose of this lecture, we will be focusing on paid work and the formal uh, and the formal economy. But this does not mean that um, the housework issue is not going to come out, or we're not going to discuss that. This also does not mean that this is the only type of work that we have. Um, it's merely for the purpose of this lecture. So, um, well, we usually have a conversation. And, you know, sometimes we, we, we talk about how much, you know, of work we have. Like, oh, I have so much work, you know. Um, but what is work? You know, what is work? And we need to sociologically think about what work is because what sociological imagination has taught us that what you think is may not be for the other person, right? So now we, we, we also cannot say that um, this particular um, view is absolute and there's no other view besides this. That is not the nature of um, sociologists. So now we, we, we cannot then have a final or absolute definition of what work is because what work is is not what work is for the, for the next person, right? So, but we, we try to find more useful ways to think about this particular concept, you know, um, we, we try to, you know, think about, do, do we only talk about work as paid work? You know, can we think about it as work only if it's paid? You know, and um, which one is more important? Is paid work more important than unpaid work? You know, and this obviously will be a nice conversation amongst um, the feminists and also maybe people who, who, who take interest into womanist um approaches where you know there's been a call and demand uh, by women for women regarding paid household work because we know we've engaged or rather we're still going to engage in different conversations where we're talking about paid and unpaid work where we learn that you know what um housework is equally important and we we will also you know be able um at the end of this lecture or at the end of this module be able to position ourselves to say um well 
um, unpaid work should actually be paid because then the very unpaid work can sort of hinder um, another person in getting that um, paid work or in moving up the ranks into a certain type of work. Right, so now um, we can loosely define work as an effort that is made in order to, to accomplish or make something, right? So we know that um, a person needs to be, well, <laughs> today we have um, robots, but we know that, you know, a, a person needs to be um, doing something and in achieving that end goal of that particular product, then you are able to, to sell it and that is the nature of your work, right? So um, that is why even today we find that what was work then is not work today. Therefore, um, what used to be work for um, our great-grandparents um, is not what work is for me today, right? But we do know that whatever industrial society we are in, work will always be in the form of an act of doing something right and like i said this could be um informal or formal so when when we speak of work being formal this is you know employment um is employed by the university of kwazulu natal you know so that is the work i'll be doing um the act that constitutes my work is me you know teaching is me marking assignments it's me um, supervising so I am doing an act right and at the end of a certain period obviously which is agreed between my my employer and myself there will be um, I will be compensated for that particular service or for that particular act when I have accomplished um, what I am supposed to do every month which is teach which is mark which is prepare for lessons and things like that then my employer will give me um, what we call a salary, right? So you are, pay, you are paid by an employer or you can be paid by a client or customer because then we have entrepreneurs, people who produce certain things or certain services, you know, and they sell that to, to someone. So in order for you to work, you need to have e-order. Um, say, for example, you are a bead worker, right? Um, so you do beads, you make customer, uh, customized products of your beads and once you have finished, once you have produced them, then a customer or a client is going to pay you for that. Right? And we know that an employer would um, be you know, an organization, would be a company of some sort, right? Um, would be a person of some sort who is at the position of you know taking somebody in and um, getting that particular somebody to do a certain act and then pay for that particular act or pay for that particular produce or service right and then like I said informal work will then include housework right we know as girls um, particularly where we are groomed to to clean to you know do laundry to cook and all of that and you know over the years we've realized or we've had engagements of how this particular housework can actually you know hinder progress in in a woman's life and the very housework is not a detrimenting factor towards men achieving certain goals you know so um what constitute also as informal work would be um 
you know, maybe being a street vendor, um, because you wake up every morning and you go and try to sell. You know, um, you are not employed by, by anyone. You are not under any organization. You are not represented by anybody. You know, you just wake up daily to go sell ama chips by the street corner. You know, um, so yeah, the, this this is the part where there, there is no form of organization towards that particular work, right? And then we've also seen that um, work is an activity that is actually supposed to generate an income, you know, um, and this is now in the formal aspect of it. When when you work, when you produce a certain, um, when you do a certain act and produce a certain service, you are generating an income, right? Um, that is why then you would have paid and unpaid leave because when you are at home and you are not producing, um, then you do not get an income, right? So we know that um, if, if ever now we were to argue that what constitutes work alone is what generates an income, then we will find that many activities will be excluded from what we may define as work, right? And again, these particular activities may be, um, you know, um, housework, again, these particular activities may be, um, you know, nurturing of children, right? So it, it is a job, a serious one, so much so that we still find that women are even still not paid um, they are full salary, full salaries in, in instances where they, they get pregnant and they need to take maternity leave. So we when when we just box um, work as an activity that only or merely just generates an income, then we 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 we, we risk you know um, excluding a whole lot of other very important activities you know um, which do not bring in an income but they are work right you have you have work as a daughter at home currently you know um, ever since COVID-19 we've been at home and um, you are now bound to perform you know your son or your daughter duties right um, and that would be you know whatever that you need to do as a child at home you know, um, we know that, you know, sometimes even those who are from the rural areas have farms and things like that. So when you are home during holidays, that is the work that you do. But because of COVID-19, you've been there. And to a certain extent, it might have, you know, affected your academics and things like that. So that also constitutes of work, you know, but it's, it's, it's not paid. It's not, it's not regulated. It's not something you can pinpoint and say, hey, that is work. Whereas it's different from um, a person who's, who wakes up every day and is an engineer and goes to work, you know, you can easily then pinpoint to say, no, that person works and they work as one, two, three, right? So um, we need then to ask when, when we exclude these activities, who and what is it that we are excluding, right? Um, we, we have sustenance agriculture, like I mentioned that, you know, we, we have farms back home, we have land, um, we've got housework, we've got voluntary um, activities that you should be partaking in as young um, students, you know, who, who will graduate tomorrow and need some sort of experience in order to infiltrate the job or rather the labor market, you know. So these are these activities that are not paid. However, it does not mean that they are not work, right? And um, when we sociologically 
speak about the concept of work, then um, two main aspects need to come into our minds, right? Um, one, that is the task-based activity, um, which is the one that is paid for, right? And then two is a way in which people make a living, right? Because if we're going to speak about income, salary and money and being paid, then what you actually wake up to do on a daily basis and waking up to do that particular thing without it being regulated or organized, however, is your means of making a living. That also becomes work, right? If um, you wake up daily to, um, to read for babies, you know, that is still work. If you're going to be paid to do that, no matter how much you love reading, you know, um, but if you're paid to do that, then that is still work, right? Um, if you are a person that writes Zulu love letters, you know, then, and people pay you for that, you are actually um, making a living. So when, when we sociologically speak of work, it's, 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 it's among or it's around that particular idea, right? Or that ideology of what work is. You know, um, we, we get people today who work but don't work. <laughs> yeah, they, they work but they don't work. And you can never say that, hey, I want this particular job, you know. And these people today would be um, social media managers or influencers, right? Because an influencer is working whenever now they are posting on Instagram and they are talking about... Um, the they are probably advertising Nivea and they are talking about sunscreen you know um she's probably there by the beach and she's just showing you how important it is to apply sunscreen um however she's actually doing her job in promoting the sunscreen for for Nivea you see so this this is what we mean when we say we we need you need to sociologically think about work because what may be work um, to another person, you know, I could be sitting at the office the whole day where I don't even have to walk up and down. And another person is literally, you know, digging holes somewhere there by public works. And this person might feel that I am not working, right? They, they, might, they might see my job or my form of work as not work because we know how then work actually constituted um constituted physical activity it, it was more of toiling than 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 work right whereas today you sit in your air-conditioned um office with you know nice leather smell and oak um scent but that is still work because i'm using my brain i'm providing my service and i'm getting paid for that or oh, that is how i basically make a living you know um one last example of this would be a motivational speaker Right. Um, today, you actually find people going for courses to be uh, to be motivational speakers, you know, um, just for for a person to, to tell us that. Hi, guys, um, I started my business with one grain of rice. <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope you guys understand what I'm trying to say is that, you know, work can be can be anything. Um, it could be a task based activity which you are paid for. 
by an employer or by a particular organization, or it could be anything that um, people do in order to make a living, right? So we know that making a living also goes beyond the idea that work is about producing, you know, enough material, um, enough goods to survive. You know, um, we know how certain things are also done or, yeah, people do certain things maybe seasonally, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not merely about producing 12 tires and then that is enough. For some people, selling one key holder for that day, you know, could be could be enough, you know. Um, so, so it's, yeah, it, it broadens your view on what work is and how deep it's supposed to be and how, how intense it's supposed to be. All of that, all of that, you know, um, you need to think about when you are referring to the sociology of, of work and um, ways in which people make, make a living, right? So we, we also want to ask um, other critical questions. How does work shape our lives and our identities? You know, for many people today, they, they find it difficult to define themselves outside of their work. You know, um, so Sisi, what's your name and what do you do? Okay, no, I'm Baba Lomwerani and um, I'm an academic at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. You know, so we, we're seeing how my work would shape my life. You know, um, I wake up every day in the morning and I have to do something towards my job, be it research, be it community work, be it teaching, be it supervision, you know, um, all of that constitutes of my life. And to a certain extent, there are certain things that I cannot do with my friends or with my family because of um, what I do um, currently, you know. And I also identify as an academic. Um, then you, you find people struggling or maybe not even being able to define themselves outside of their work. You know, um, if you are to ask my mom today that, okay, so... Um, who are you and what are you? I am certain that she's going to mention that she's a teacher. You know, so by 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 her mentioning that she's a teacher, she's she already tells you how she identifies with her work, right? Um and yeah, you 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 probably also going, you know, for those of you who own small businesses and things like that, you when they ask you who are you, you are bound to mention your business. So that is what we mean by um work shaping our lives and also um, shaping our identities, right? And we also know that um, it, it, it gives us some sort of conception of self. You know, um, you, you are able to say, this is um, Tato and I am a gardener or what do they call them these days? Landscaper, right? Um, no, this is Cabello and I am a Uber driver. You know, so you, you find this the self-consciousness or the self-conception that is very much bound and linked to the work that we do. And um, and this is because one may be spending more hours at work than at home, right? Um, you, you find people who who are business um who are business owners, you know, entrepreneurs, and they literally live and breathe their business. Um, when you go onto their Instagram they have a business page and their personal page. However, you still find the business part of the personal page, you know. So that is because sometimes we spend so much work 
um, I mean, so much hours of, of our time towards the work, you know, um, we, as an academic, again, I am, you know, not going to go out on lunch whenever friends want to go on lunch because then, you know, I, I need to, to time what time is it, when is it, do I have lectures then, and things like that, you know. Um, so, yeah, so you find that people spend a lot of hours at work uh, rather than at home so they therefore identify with what and who they are regarding work, right? And um, then you, you find that even when they get home, they still cannot separate from their work. Um, as, as an academic, again, as a lecturer, sometimes, and often the times, I actually take work home. Like I said, part of my job is not only just, you know, teaching and delivering, uh, you know, lectures to students, but... I teach second years, I teach third years, I supervise honors and master's students, and then I have to write, and I have to write my own research, um, and then I still have to do my PhD, and um, so, so, and I still have to do community engagement as well, and I still need to do administration, which is preparing for the lectures, you know, marking of tests and assignments and all of that, so often you'd find that you take this work home, you know, and when you get home, you still need a workspace. So chances are you get home, you are still tired, you do what you need to do, and then you continue doing your work and then you sleep. So you literally breathe and you cannot then um, define yourself outside of your work and you actually find some sense of identity um, from your work, right? And we also learn that um, work is is a social culture and economic phenomenon right it's not just a behavior of a means to an end you know it's it's not just a task um it, it becomes you know a very important aspect of what we do in the society that we are actually based in you know um it it, it becomes very critical for us to identify with that particular um, job, we know how, um, even with engineers, for example, you know, um, when it's a critical skill and when they are in a society where they actually need engineers, you know, so therefore they, they become, you know, literally a, a, a fabric upon which society is based, you know, and um, what will determine these, or rather how these societies are organized economically, politically, and otherwise, you know, um, would be also more complex forms of work, more complex societies with complex leadership. So, like I said, pre-industrial um, societies, we saw how easy life was, right? There was no, there was no drama, man. There, there was no chaos. You know, we knew that Ubab um makes shoes, right? So whenever you wanted imbatata or you wanted sandals, you go to Ubabutlamini and you place your order there. And Ubabutlamini will do the whole shoe, right? From the straps to the pins to the sole, everything. He will be doing that. Um, but as the societies changed, this is economically through globalization um, and politically also globalization playing um, a very important role there. And, you know, finding more complex forms of work, like I said, that, you know, um, influencers being uh, workers today. Uh, we have um, Uber drivers, you know, taxi drivers, basically, who are today Uber drivers. And 
they they see themselves as workers you know so we, we've seen different forms of work that come and in, in, in complexities and they create a, an even more complex society you know where we find that now ubabdlamini does not make the whole shoe anymore actually you find that ubabdlamini does not have a job or cannot create the shoe anymore because one the shoe is out of fashion it does not speak to the society that we have today um, and we find that Ubaglamini could not reconfigure himself in regards to what is in need today. So, for example, you'd find that, um, you know, the, the tire, the shoes made out of tire were a thing back then, right? Um, because then we did not have access. However, due to the changes and the more complexities of our societies, then we find that, uh, man, we were at my efforts today, you know? So... This is what we mean by um, uh, work and it being determined by the societies that are organizing us economically, politically, and otherwise, right? So um, this is what we mean. And we, we also know that, yes, we have moved from pre-industrial to industrial to post-industrial um, society. So, but now we, we need to, to understand that um, work can occur in all societies. You know, it doesn't matter whether at that time when there were um, the Sen and the Khoi Sen people, um, there was no work, no, there's no such thing. Um, work still continued. It just, you know, it differed into how it shaped itself and how it formed itself. You know, so when, when we understand work, then chances are we are going to understand the society, right? If, if today I come and I say to you, um, gig worker, then you know that uh, uh, that is post-industrial society. If I say to you, um, receptionist, then you know that, oh, that is the industrial um, society form of work. And then when I say to you, um, a cart driver, then you know that that is pre-industrial society, right? So by understanding what forms of work the particular society is taking, we are able to also understand the nature, um, the nature, yes, the nature and form that society is um, at that particular time. And interestingly, we also learn that um, work, you know, wherever there's work, there's going to be power. And wherever there's power, there's going to be inequality which is going to be reflected in the nature or um, in, in the work that we do, right? And um, wherever, like I said, wherever there's power, there's going to be inequality. And that is going to be reflected in work that we do. Let's take the teaching fraternity because, you know, we, we all have been through school. Um, I know that a lot of you can count the male teachers from primary school, right? Um, and even if you do count male teachers from primary school, you'll find that um, those male teachers who are there will be around Boomer grade 6, grade 7, right? Because that's the senior part of, of primary school. But then it's unlikely to find um, a male person, a male person teaching grade 1. You see, so we, we see when, when we look at this nature of work and we are understanding it better, then we, we find um, cases or other issues where um, this was now in 2018. Um, the CEO of the Engineering Society, Menglen Pillay, 
who said that women do not are not eager to be CEOs. Like they, they don't have the desire to be CEOs because women prefer being at home, um, you know, nurturing their children and their household at large and do not wish to deal with shareholders um, after midnight. And this came across as stereotyping, but then it goes back to the, the native society we are in now and the power um, that work has to influence inequality, right? We, we know how men would be said that this is their territory and therefore women cannot go into this particular nature of work, right? So this is when we start seeing now the power and the inequality being reflected in the nature of the work that we do, where women cannot do this, men can do that. Um, the uneducated can do this, the educated can do that, you know? So this is what we mean by the power and inequality and understanding work in that particular society. We're also seeing that where there's power and inequality, which is reflected in the work that we are doing, then we see that things are now going to be more specialized, right? Um, we are more of chemical engineers, and that is going to be male-dominated. And um, it's going to specifically deal with civil engineering, right? And we're seeing that the more specialized it is, the more powerful that particular person is. And that is why even today you'll find, you know, in different um, parts where women are still not at the top, right? They still do not have the power. And um, then we have that those who are, who, who are less skilled remain in the periphery, right? They remain at the bottom because they don't have skills. You know, um, they did not go to university. They don't have degrees. So they cannot occupy um, white collars. You know, they, they, they become blue collars. You know, so so it, it goes back to that structure of, of, your, of your labor market where we have the core people who are, you know, your professionals, your well-studied people. And then we have the non-core. These are your middle class or rather what I prefer to call your working class or your working poor, right? And then you have the periphery which is your poor people, right? Those who, who would be there at the bottom in the company and they are the ones that are getting the 3,500, which is said to be the minimum wage, you see? So, you know, when, when, we, when we speak of now uh, pushing the inequality or rather understanding inequality and power in the work, we, we speak in that regard, you know, and we're seeing that we can actually push the male-female inequality and even racial inequality. We know um, how South Africa was structured um, with colonialism and then with apartheid also coming into play where um, we saw the racial inequality come into play in the nature of work that we do. Um, it is said that the nature of the Bantu education was basically to prepare Bantu for jobs that are going to um, benefit the, the um, white people, right? So we, we knew that Bantu education was to, you know, um, produce a cleaner, produce a woodworker, produce a person who's going to sue stuff, um, a seamstress, or produce, you know, there and there produce a teacher, you know. Um, but 
yeah, we that, that was the racial inequality. And to a certain extent, that is why today we have policies, policies that seek to redress these racial inequalities and even um, these gender inequalities, because that is why today you'll find whenever you're applying for posts, then there will be um, that, that disclaimer that previously disadvantaged groups are encouraged to apply and will be given first priority, right? So um, we will see that, you know, um, the, the, when, when you try or rather how you fit in into the power would determine your experience of work. Right, so so when you are up there, you are obviously going to enjoy, you know, um, you are going to love your job. When when you are working in an air conditioned an air conditioned office, you know, so the closer you are to the top of the hierarchy or to the to to power, then you you are going to have a completely different experience to a person who is at the bottom. Right. So so how you fit in into this particular work structure and the society at large, then you will see how um, or rather you are going to experience work it differently as, as, as those people. When you are at the bottom, you know the conditions and the struggles of the people at the bottom. Those are the people, again, who are said, um, no, they, they, they have a minimum wage, you know, and they are trade unions, you know, being happy about these particular um uh, uh what the, the the particular minimum wage however then you find that it's 3.5 how are you happy about this you see so the, the, their experience is going to be completely different because they are there they are the ones that actually do the hard work of 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 um producing these particular goods um for the company and for the economy as well so um, we're all seeking to be closer to power um, in one way or another, you know. And um, because we have different societies, we've learned that um, we have different or we have sig uh, significant similarities with the previous societies. So um, you know how uh, people would always say the more things change, the more they stay the same. You know, um, and that is why to date, if you listen to how uh, Vavi spoke then when he was still in the Kosatu, and you listen to how Vavi is speaking today when he's in Saftu, then you realize that actually the language has not changed because the conditions and the, the experiences or the, the, the similarities and the differences of workers are basically still what they experienced then to you know it, it's basically still the same thing so yes they still have you know significant um uh they, they still have like you know significant sim similarities right um here in is uh, our organograms or pictures of what we mean by before or pre-industrialization and what we mean by industrialization era and then what we mean by post-industrialization era so in the first picture, you're seeing um, men farming, right? And this is, you know, before industrialization, when we did not have any technology, when the physical body of a human being, of a person, was what they actually needed in order for them to work or in order for them to, to make a living, right? So we saw um, during this era, uh, 
how how they organized themselves and that was you know toiling that was just you know um farming subsistence farming mostly so that is um before industrialization and then came industrialization and this is the time when um you know the 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 is the factory the factory scenario um people going into mines however what you see during industrialization is the introduction of machinery right um in in in, in our factories and this is where i know you guys in ILS 101 um through Dr. Tsebekulu you guys probably did the parables and you guys understood now what workers actually went through um during industrialization and particularly in the firm right um you you guys knew how Ushelelembuzi was neither a he nor a she and how Ushelelembuzi worked you know so fast um you 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 could never tell that he was human that's because of the nature of the machinery that was introduced in industrialization era as you can see in the picture people are stationed in their different um workstations right so now we've seen during this time there's what we call a mass production you know companies want to produce in large numbers in order for um to maximize consumption right and to maximize production and so they've created um conveyor belts where they can produce these particular goods in bulk you know a as many as they could however then this type of work eradicates what um uh who's this person it, it, it eradicates what work is you see in the first picture those men are working together um they are doing what they need to do but this particular um nature of work eradicates ubab zamini remember i spoke about bab zamini making a shoe a whole shoe but now industrialization removes ubab zamini it takes it takes yeah it, it, it takes away from him the ability or the will to make an entire shoe and then it says to Bablamini, no no come to the factory right and then you are going to be stationed at your position and while the conveyor belt moves from the person who's doing the soles then um will start now just attaching the straps to the shoe and then the shoe moves to the other person and then um it, it then adds the leather on the side or whatever that needs to go on the shoe so now you find that the worker now does not produce one product entirely but rather um they produce a part of that particular production right so they don't produce the whole shoe anymore you'll have a person putting in the color you have another person doing the sole you have another person clipping the you know the straps so all of that then speaks to industrialization and it was the introduction of machinery and um you know uh some sort of technology you know it, it was it was a time where um workers are now separated also um from the work that they are doing and they are just merely doing one thing this was to produce in bulk. This was to produce um, in, in, in mass so, so people can consume, right? And then we find that today you can see that, you know, work is still more computerized right now. Um, this is, you know, you know, work 
office spaces maybe this one is actually a shared space but you can see now with the technology with the computerization and to a certain extent maybe at this point we can add you know artificial intelligence we can add robotics we can add the fourth industrial revolution that we are in today and china is already speaking of the fifth industrial revolution right so um we've seen that uh we have modern industrial capitalist society you cannot study work sociologically and we do not look at Karl Marx right so we know that looking at work in these different societies sort of gives us a focus in how we can relate to work and how we can define work right and it also um you know shows us the the small or rather local you know state or you know and then it also then gives us the the bigger social picture you know um rather it should so when we look again at those different societies you saw how they are farming they are fun they are farming for for themselves they are farming for their families um and they are farming to to share amongst each other as communities however when you get into um the industrialization and the post industrialization then that's when we see what ukal marx spoke of which is alienation right like i said that they are now removing their whole shoe from ubablameni and they are now saying ubablameni you are only going to do one part of the shoe right so you you are removing so much from ubablameni you are removing from his creativity you are removing him from you know his relationship he has with that particular product and you are just limiting it to um making sure that it has straps right so by alienation taking place the worker is separated from the production process you know the fact that you have to stand at a station where you cannot speak to another person um you cannot you know uh sort of give in your own creativity towards the product you are only doing what they say you must do you cannot think or do anything else that is not within the boundaries of the production right and 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 this actually then be, be, becomes problematic right when when you are alienating your worker you are separating from the production um process you know so you you find that now the tool maker the shoemaker can no longer find work because of this new machinery you know um or it's a matter of yeah because with with the conveyor belt and you know other forms of mach um machineries then you find that a job that needed 20 workers for example then now starts needing 10 workers and out of that 10 they are going to be um machine operators right so so we we as looking at this you still see it even today it's just taking different forms right um but what is more interesting is the effect of of these new technologies and um the effects that it actually has on societies and work right um these these new technology uh, these new technologies man we love technology but it it has so much effect people losing their jobs um and it's always said that they are going to create new jobs but we know um where uh robots today are making pizzas 
right? We know today how an Uber driver is actually not a worker because Uber is controlled in America and the policies of Uber says, open quote, Uber is not an employer. Uber merely provides a platform for entrepreneurs, right? So it, it, it says, mean, you and I don't have a relation. You don't have, we don't have what we call an employer-employee relationship. So that actually, you know, diminishes. And what happens when you are working, but you don't have an employer, but you are working under Uber, that actually gets a certain amount from each and every right that you make. But you don't have employers. What happens when you have injury on duty? You know, um, what happens? So, so you don't. We don't have anyone accounting to to the effects of these new technologies. You know, and I mean, it's it's a long term debate that we are having. Do we really need these technologies? Do we want to go back to that you know era? But you find other societies. One, firstly, the question that are still found in Namibia. Um, or rather near Namibia are still rejecting um, technologies. And then you find other um, Arabic countries mostly who do not form part or follow this globalization bandwagon. You know, um, they actually call it, um, you know, it's called Westernification, but then it, it, they call it Westification. So it's, it's, it's a toxic form of the West. Right, and we're seeing that uh, these new technologies also result in a change of how work occurs. Like I said, that back then um, we knew that you had to leave the house and you had to physically go and do some work. However, today I am currently teaching at the comfort of my, you know, um, living room. You know, um, some are even holding meetings at the comfort of their beds, you know, so it, it changes how work actually occurs. And again, um, it, it merely says that what was work then is not work today. And um, what these new technologies also do is that um, they change how work is organized. You know, we, we know of how work was organized then. We also had trade unions, you know, um, representing workers and their issues. However, today you find that the the aunt we, we don't have these um you know protections from from uh trade unions. We we, we we don't have an employer, like I said. You find that gig workers don't have an employer employee relationship, so you don't even have anyone to complain to. And Uber can do as they please and like um with you and come 50, 60 years, if you've been an Uber driver, then you find that you don't even have benefits, you don't have a retirement fund and things like that. So technology does really change um, our societies at large. And then we have to, you know, also link work to a wider culture. You know, remember I said that work can be social, can be cultural, and can be um, sociological, right, or philosophical. So we need to link work to the wider culture, you know, social structure and processes of the society, you know, because nothing happens alone. Nothing happens in a vacuum. You know, everything is interlinked, you know, from the culture to politics to the social part of things. So we know that um, the story, like if you look at your grandparents and their working life, 
it's not it's not only their story but then it's 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 what society used to be right um the same way that you don't understand how certain things happened with them it's the same way they don't understand how certain things are happening with us you know so um it's not only their story um it is what the society was right so um we we have reached the end of what work is sociologically so right what it seeks to do what it actually means and we've looked at the different um industrial societies and how work was defined then and why it's important for work to be defined in its broader sense before you narrow it down um so please do uh post any questions that you may have regarding this lecture thank you very much